Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the debut or pilot episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Just before we get started, I'd like to make a couple of shout-outs and mentions to people who have helped make this possible. First of all, our main inspiration for starting this has to be OSW Review. They chronologically critiqued the pay-per-views of the Hogan Era, and if you have not listened to them, you must check them out. Definitely do it before you listen to us. Uh, They're our main inspiration, and they've also been really helpful in giving us advice and support in getting it started. So, big shout-out to them. Thank you very much, guys. Also, some other people on Twitter who been really helping us out and really great uh even though we haven't made an episode yet i'd like to thank wrestling with subtitles also the shining wizard podcast these guys are just being you know, supportive and helpful and nice so do check us out on twitter if you're not following us already we're at ae podcast or check us out on facebook as well but for now enjoy our debut episode of the attitude era podcast <laughs> Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the uh, Attitude Era podcast, where we are going to chronologically critique the main pay-per-views of the Attitude Era. We're starting today with WrestleMania 14. Just to introduce everyone who's joining us, first of all, I'm Kevin Madden, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. I started watching wrestling probably around the time of this actual pay-per-view, so this is convenient for me, but I'm joined by uh, Adam Bibolo and uh, Billy Keeble. So, uh, Adam... uh, Wrestling fan? Yeah, I've been a wrestling fan for most of my life. Um, got into it around halfway through the Attitude Era, so while I've seen some of the things we're looking at now, I'm not completely familiar with it. This is all uh, relatively new ground for me. Okay, and Billy, uh, how about you? Um, I I used to watch wrestling, but I didn't actually start watching wrestling until um, after what people say the Attitude Era had ended. Right, and then so. I stopped for uh, several years and then got back into it in about 2010. So wait, you started watching like, what, like 2002 kind of? 2002? Yeah, and I, I, I've been told several times that uh, that is some of the, one of the worst eras of wrestling. Actually, too. maybe a little bit later, because the perfect analogy for me, the way Billy sees wrestling, is his cane. The cane Billy grew up with, well not grew up with, but the, the cane that Billy knows is the bald cane. Without a mask. Yeah. 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 That sums it up nicely for me. Billy <laughs> actually watched during the golden era. So, uh, <laughs> forgive him if Billy is not familiar with uh, the ins and outs of every single person here but we're going to try and go through it and see if mainly if these shows hold up i mean we have a lot of people talking now about you know how important the attitude era was but you know if we look back uh, objectively do these shows hold up and wrestlemania 14 you know a lot of arguments can be made about when is the actual start of the attitude era but i think wrestlemania 14 for most people is considered a logical starting point because it's the start of the era of steve austin so here we are wrestlemania 14 in boston massachusetts in front of a rabid crowd with Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary. Good thing about this podcast, gentlemen, is that we'll have these two fine commentators for uh, most of the uh, journey. Yeah, that, that's that's a good thing, I guess. We'll get into Jerry Lawler later. I've got some things to say about him. <laughs> Jim I Ross think we, on I think form. we all have some things to say about uh, yeah. Jerry Lawler. I think, it, yeah, I mean, if, if you're someone who's only familiar with kind of modern-day wrestling or from the late 2000s onwards... Uh, it'll probably be a massive shock seeing Jim Ross in such a prominent role, but also Jerry Lawler being a complete villain in this Completely case. different character to the way he is now. Some of the things he says are downright unforgivable. Yeah, I think he says some unforgivable things in this pay-per-view. So the show starts uh, our first match, our opening contest, and quite a bizarre one at that for us to begin with, is a 15-team battle royale where all the teams already start in the ring. So we've got over 30 superstars 
Uh, when you see Farouk and Kama and the LOD actually make their way to the ring, we start WrestleMania with a full ring. It's a really peculiar way to start WrestleMania because it's like the grandest stage in the mall and it starts off with just a couple of guys halfway through their entrance. It's a really peculiar beginning. Yeah, it's kind of like you've accidentally started the pay-per-view halfway through. <laughs> it seems to be quite common though with a lot of pay-per-views that if, if they're having a match it's like that to start with, they'll, they usually have a couple of people in. Well, good lord, I think the worst way to start a pay-per-view would be by having 30 or so entrances. Oh, this no, is don't WrestleMania, get, don't, get wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's better better than just you know having starting you know with the first people going in and then carrying on that way yeah. true um, i'm not going to read out every single member of the, uh, the the team the only really two important teams i suppose you could argue in this are the legion of doom hawk and animal who are making their uh, return to wwf and you've got a uh, farouk and kama from the nation of domination but um it, i don't know how to call this it's at the start you've got 30 men in the ring at once it looks awesome they actually use that clip in beyond the mass where everyone's just going crazy. Oh, yeah. They used to always use it to hype up the Royal Rumble. They'd go, 30 men. They'd show that clip of all these guys. Misleading, because there's never 30 men in the Rumble. 30 men yeah. in the Rumble, exactly. Um, so, yeah, but after around a minute, I think you may have noticed the crowd kind of gets like, gets over the novelty factor, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, it's, it's quite a dull match, really. There's uh, not a lot of stuff that really happens in it. Obviously, Legion of Doom coming back is the big thing. but Yeah, uh, Legion of Doom were obviously quite dominant. They dominate, uh, they pretty much eliminate everyone, it seems. Uh, the announcers don't even uh, <laughs> like call half the eliminations because there's so many you can't, people going. Yeah. And it's weird as well because one guy goes over the top rope and then his partner has to leave. So you've got like the referee tapping guys in the shoulder going, uh, You're out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. interesting for me because obviously I grew up halfway through the Attitude Era, that kind of wrestling. So yeah. seeing people like Farouk and Bradshaw in two separate teams all together, that was a little bit confusing for me. And the, the Midnight Express as well, Bob Holly. His, yeah. hair, his hair is ridiculous, though. I had no idea that was Bob Holly for a while. It's it is, quite yeah. quite a while to figure out. It's kind of strange. Um, I suppose the one main thing, you always get stuff like this in WrestleMania. There's usually kind of a, a big kind of battle royale or something like that to get everyone on the card so everyone gets mm. a, a payday or something like that. But I don't know. I'd question, I'd question their... Uh, their logic in this. The one thing you could probably say, though, is that you can actually make up 15 legitimate teams. That says a lot for their tag division. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it's a lot nowadays. A yeah. tag team battle royale at WrestleMania 29 would probably consist of uh, the Usos and uh, Team Hell No, and I'm drawing a blank on anyone else. Uh, Prime well, time play. Rose Scholars got broke up, didn't they? Yeah, so, really so um, I suppose, you know, yeah, at least they had a deep roster at the time. But, um, so yeah, not much doing there. I can't really say much for this match. I wouldn't exactly. Uh, it's impressive in terms of quantity, but not quality. I'd say it's impressive that the uh, the ring held up. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the battle royale is is not a match I particularly find enjoyable. Um, I find it very boring. Uh, just the amount of people in there. Nothing really happens. Yeah. You know the first. The first couple of minutes are just, you know, trimming the fat, just throw some people over. And then, you know, it's a very slow build up until you get the final two. And sometimes when you get the final two teams, you know, it's a bit better. You might get a couple of spots. You might get a couple of little nice little moments, but it didn't really happen in this one, I don't think. Yeah, I think this was just a vehicle to get guys on the card and also for Legion of Doom to come out looking like they're new with their new Power Rangers gear. And having Sonny in their corner, which I suppose was a was yeah. a plus for them. And this would, I think, would be the uh, last WrestleMania appearance of the Legion of Doom anyway. So their big return didn't really amount to much. But we'll get into that as we'll see the decline of the Legion of Doom as we, <laughs> as we can do this podcast. Um, light heavyweight title match up next then. And it's the first and only light heavyweight title match in the history of uh, WrestleMania. As we have Takamichi Noku uh, from Japan taking on Aguila. Clash of styles here. Um... 
Guys, thoughts on this match? Obviously, it's a bit strange seeing uh, someone like Aguila, who's uh, you know, a straight-up luchador with a cool mask and all that, wrestling a WWF ring. My first thoughts on this match, looking at all the different things they do in it, is this is a very Chikara match to have at uh, like, yeah, an old-school yeah, WrestleMania. Definitely. It's definitely. a really chikara match. There's a lot of big high spots in it and stuff. There's loads of crazy athleticism. and uh, that's, it's... Why I, I, that's what I liked about it. You know, that there was some amazing high-flying in it, and it was... You know, it was just interesting to watch, you know, just doing all these, you know, flip-de-doos, as exactly. Slade would say. Yeah, I mean, Aguila, at one point he hits a spin kick and then he does this incredible moonsault uh, off the top. He goes mm. straight yeah, to the, the floor. Uh, it's quite amazing. Aguila, uh, Jim Ross notes, is only 19 years old here. Good grief. And uh, trivia, for those of you uh, paying attention at home, Aguila went on to be S.A. Rios in uh, WWF. No way! Yes, uh, who's teamed with Lita. Yeah, that's um, how Lita made her way in, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so uh, Aguila, 19 years old here, and Aguila, I believe... The, uh, the story about him was that he never had a word of English, even when he was S.A. Rios. So, <laughs> for, I mean, not, not many botches in this match or anything that stands out horribly bad. Oh, no, it was, no, it was a pretty great match, it was, I thought. It was a yeah. pretty good match. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, I suppose... He very made, energetic. Very yeah. energetic, very fast-paced. Um, I suppose WCW at the time was doing a lot of cruiserweight stuff, and this maybe was... WWE's attempts to kind of hook the, that audience in a little bit, maybe. Is that true what you said about it being the only WrestleMania match that's had the yeah. lightweight title? That's insane. Yeah. They did Cruiserweight title later on, but... Oh, they, of course, It yeah. seems like it's a possible wasted opportunity, because I quite liked it. And like, Cruiserweight uh, division was always cool. Yeah, least, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I do miss it quite a lot, actually. Um, but I kind of get the feeling here um, that they never really put their entire kind of... They never really creatively put a lot into it, uh, WWE. I mean, this match was only five minutes long. It was nice for what it was, mm. but I don't think it was ever a, a focus for them. Uh, Jerry Lawler, of course, uh, makes his mm -hmm. first Jerry Goddamn Lawler remark of the uh, podcast, uh, making a very offensive Taco Bell joke regarding Aguila. Yeah, I have that written yeah. down here. If I was Aguila, I'd make like Taco Bell and head for the border. And then he went on to also say that he hated them both equally, so therefore it's not racist. I'm not biased, I'm not prejudiced, I hate them both equally. Quite a lot of uh, racial slurs in this match. Nothing like explicit or anything, but he no. hints at an awful lot of race hate. Race hate. Uh, anytime I think of Jerry Lawler doing the, the race gags, I always remember when I think it was a Royal Rumble where he kept making Taka and, and Funaki and Kaintai, he kept saying that they were Chinese. And it was oh. such a small thing, but I don't know, I mean... That's bad. Who do you think is telling Jerry Lawler to do this? Do you think it's like Vince McMahon in his ear going, oh, make a racist remark? Or do you think Jerry Lawler I Lawler's... think it's the voices in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me thinks it's Jerry Lawler himself. That's doing true. All Jerry Lawler was... I think he just slips out at times. What is it like for you, Billy, to see you know, Jerry Lawler, who is generally a now, lovely lad yeah, on TV he, now? Yeah, he's, he's more of a very sort of goofy character uh, now nowadays. Uh, to see him sort of be... This villain, but also quite nasty at times. It was it was quite a surprise to me. See, I disagree. I'd say he's more goofy back in the Attitude Era because he's more over the top and always going woo and stuff like that yeah. all the time. But yeah, he's he's really nasty. He's got a real dark streak in him. He's yeah. obviously playing off Jr. It's, it's, it's kind of schizophrenic the way he does it because he'll be saying something really like sort of normal and, and and nice, and then for a split second he'll just do do something really cutting and quite nasty, and then he'll just go straight away back. Well, obviously, was the whole point is that he had to be the heel commentator to play off Jr. Who'd obviously be uh, backing up Stone Cold or whatever or whoever the good guy was in the match. Jerry the King Lawler would have to be uh, the heel and be aligned with the bad guy of the match, but I guess he just. It always to me he just took it a little bit too far when yeah. he brings things like race into it. He for just, example. Yeah, they, 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 it's never about wrestling, uh, but his comments. Exactly. Yeah. Surely you can find a reason to hate someone other than the fact he's from a different country. It yeah. wasn't very imaginative here. No, it wasn't. 
Um, finish of the match come quite spectacular when Goyle goes to the top. He uh, jumps off, Taka blocks with a drop kick, and then he finishes him off with the Michinoku driver, which is one of my favorite finishes. Oh, yeah, great yeah, move. Yeah, like, driver. Very good. So uh, Taka Michinoku picks up the win and retains his light heavyweight belt at around six minutes, and the two shake hands afterwards in a very Ring of Honor display of uh, respect. Mm. So uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Do you, uh, you know, obviously, this is the first real kind of opening match of the the card because I don't really count the battle royale yeah, as a, exactly. a match um, per se no it was extremely good I was really really entertained by that match I liked uh, I liked the high flying and I liked uh, all, the, all that aspect for it uh, aspect of it but when it got to them you know grappling and stuff like that it wasn't as good but the high flying in it was amazing it was it was uh, I think Oh, no, I just, Sorry. I just really enjoyed the high-flying aspect of it. Definitely, so I'd say yeah. I, I really liked the match. And what's good about it is that there's no one else on the card who's doing anything like this. So, you know, there wasn't much, obviously, in the way of, of storytelling or, or psychology. I mean, there wasn't a storyline. I mean, I think this may have even been a Kyla's first match with WWF. I mm. could be wrong on that. But I think it just goes to show when you get two like kind of fast-paced guys who work well together, you can have a really cool, fun little spot-fest match like that to get the audience hooked. Well, I think one of its main benefits is it is quite a short match. Yeah. I reckon that's one of the best things about it is because it's so short, they can keep up that energy and that pace for the entire match. So from beginning to end, it is quite fast-paced and really energetic. But what is kind of disappointing is that you'd think that this would then become a, kind of a stalwart of the of these Attitude Era pay-per-views that you'll have mm. the, the cruiserweight match, the high-flying match. Never really took off, never became featured, as I said. So this is really the biggest uh, one which we get, and it's only a small little six-minute match. That's why it stuck out to me so much, actually, is because um, knowing the Attitude Era, like the parts I know of it, I really do not remember anything like this from the Attitude Era. So when I saw this yeah. in the pay-per-view, I thought, oh, this is really out of place. And that's probably the reason why more, I love it so much, actually. Yeah, it's much more ECW or, or WCW yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, fun match, definitely. Uh, we cut backstage to a pre-recorded interview and this one's confusing. Uh, <laughs> okay, then, if, if you were the ruler, how would you handle the homeless situation? Tell you what, Jenny, that is a touchy subject to The Rock. The homeless situation here in America, The Rock feels like this. As long as The Rock still has his palatial palace down on South Beach in Miami, Florida, he really couldn't give a damn whether or not they live in a frigid air box or a Kenmore box. As long as those homeless pieces of trash keep their cardboard homes off The Rock's freshly mowed grass, Everything will be copacetic. <laughs> all right, then. Um, how about the judicial system? Well, first and foremost, as long as all The Rock's fans across the country realized that The Rock is the judge and the jury, everything should be fine. And actually, hmm, well, actually, Jenny, after The Rock contemplated that for a second, if The Rock were the jury, The Rock feels like this. Nine times out of ten, he'd be a hung jury, if you smell what I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Flowers, for whatever reason, sitting down in a some sort of daytime talk show set, yeah. having a chat with uh, The Rock, who's recently changed from Rocky Maivia into being The Rock. Uh, the Rock is the Intercontinental Champion, and uh, shares a few uh, words with uh, Jennifer Flowers. First and foremost, I'm sure everyone in the entire world is wondering, as I still am, who in the blue hell is Jennifer Flowers? Why does she spell her name with a G? I have no idea. I, I can't find anything I, about her. I, I, I don't know who she is. No. no she's I, just there. She's there. She's There's always been a WrestleMania celebrity crossover thing. Like That's always been a big thing. WrestleMania means celebrities. Obviously, you got Mike Tyson in this pay-per-view later on. Pete Rose. But Pete Rose as well. It's always been a big part of WrestleMania. But now and then, you always get these so-called celebrities, and you just don't know who they yeah. are. And they get them to do things like interviews, ring announce, and they're absolutely awful. And she's... Kind of, I don't know, 
thank God for The Rock in this segment is all I can say. I was yeah. going to say, as awkward as she is, The Rock really was actually quite funny in this segment. It was really entertaining. Yeah, was. I'm going to start using the expression, if you smell what I'm cooking, in more often in sentences. This actually is the first ever instance of The Rock using the phrase, if you smell what I'm cooking. Oh, really? Which would later evolve into, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. So the first time I ever said it is, first ever if you smell time. what I'm cooking. Yeah. yeah. So that was just him trying it out. Basically, ah, to, to that's his toes in the water here. You'll see that in The Rock's match later on. This is obviously before The Rock had truly defined all of his stuff. He was still mm. early days, kind of messing around with a few bits and bobs. Uh, I do love The Rock's line where he says, uh, asking about being uh, in the White House, he says, as long as the interns beneath The Rock don't do anything orally wrong, then correcting himself to say morally wrong, then everything would be okay. Uh, again, I suppose... A lot of uh, attitude era uh, backstage segments usually involve something involving dicks. They did. Yeah. They did like making fun of the uh, the whole scandal, didn't they, with Bill Clinton? I yeah. think this they made so many. They, they, in some they way made so that. many jokes about it um, back in the attitude, like the start of the attitude. Remember the yeah. DX thing as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. a big thing about that. Big thing. Well, poor Bill Clinton uh, taking a few for this. Billy Sadly, Wong. the jokes haven't aged so well. <laughs> what did you make of Jennifer Flowers? Um, well, I don't really know who she is. And I, the the only thing that that stuck out to me watching the interview is that for nearly the entire thing she's not looking at the rock she's looking straight into the camera <laughs> if you watch, if you watch it back she there's, she'll every sort of 5 seconds she'll look into the camera in like very sort of intently for uh, you know uh, a couple of seconds then look back at the rock then do it again and it just keeps happening it's just something that caught my eye Again, this is why yeah, I need to believe that she's not a proper like celebrity yeah. celebrity because she's she so hasn't comfortable been, with. Uh, she hasn't been cameras. trained on being in front of the camera, I no, guess. Yeah, because I remember when you see people uh, like Robert Goulet was at WrestleMania, that that guy knew where the cameras were and he yeah. knew exactly how to handle everything. Uh, Jennifer Flowers, you're no Robert Goulet. Uh, that's all <laughs> I'll say about that. Um, we cut back to ringside uh, in preparing for the European Championship uh, match: Triple H versus Own Hart. We see the D Generation X band set up to play live music. Uh, for Triple H coming out to the ring. Uh, what do you think of the DX band? Incredibly lame. You know my feelings on a, any live band at WrestleMania is always a bad sign for me. It's never worked well. Has, it, has there ever been, in the history of WrestleMania, a live band play someone out and it's been cool? Never. Flow Rider, mate. Never. <laughs> never. Flow Rider. No, I'll tell you... Uh, this is an old school at WrestleMania 1. Roddy Piper came out with a full uh, entourage of, of pipe band players from oh, okay, the that's police different. department. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. This is not cool. Particularly when you've got the uh, really... Ra- the, these these use these guys several times to do different songs in WWE, uh, the DX band. But uh, the, the mini singer basically trying to be the guy from... Uh, from Rage Against the yeah. Machine, and they're all being really cool wearing their leather jackets. But if you just turn to the left, you see a uh, dorky Jim Johnson, uh, <laughs> who's the composer for WWE, looking like your dad on holiday <laughs> with his with his white shoes and his comb over and his, his lame T-shirt tucked into his pants. He can play guitar, but he, he doesn't exactly look like a degenerate. Um, so yeah, Triple H is coming out. The stipulation in this European title match is that China must be handcuffed to Commissioner Slaughter at ringside because she's been low blowing everyone left, right, and centre. I, I, I like this because they took the approach of uh, China is interrupting so many matches so we're going to let her interrupt another match yeah. <laughs> is, is, the, is the outset that they took what? with going in this match Obviously, they really didn't do enough barring uh, her for ringside would have made more sense exactly yeah, yeah. The, the match was really like it was, a, it was an entertaining match but I just honestly the whole China being attached to Commissioner Slaughter thing just Really I just love hearing the name Commissioner Slaughter. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I like Commissioner Slaughter. He never really worked as a... I mean, I like him. Sorry, Sergeant Slaughter I love, but Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter never really clicked. It didn't make a I didn't whole, get it. He was just there. He was just there, I think. China was handcuffed to him. Yeah. That um, part of the match didn't really appeal to me. I suppose half of this is probably how 
probably a crazy over China was at the time, like how people like bought into this big Amazon woman, and they'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And you could tell by the way the crowd were reacting to when she, even when she was just staring at Slaughter and stuff, that she people really bought it that she was just like real intense, crazy, scary giant mm-hmm. woman. So I suppose I mean it's just an excuse to kind of put her over as being crazy yeah, strong yeah. and still, you know, by having I her guess. there. I'd say they did buy the, uh, the the fact that she is a big terrifying woman because she is a big terrifying woman. <laughs> True that actually. Yeah. Um, what better uh, way to get that across? She, she, yeah. I've never seen China. Well, I'm sure I'm going to see it look more more so in the future when we do more podcasts. But I've never seen her look as terrifying well, this as is... she does when she's uh, just being handcuffed to Commissioner Slaughter for the first time because she proper doesn't want to be handcuffed to him. <laughs> and sure, Harfoot is made out of handcuffs as well to fit yeah. the motif. Yeah, she seems very upset about it. It's just, just one more China, so it's all right. Um, what this is probably, you may have noticed as well, this is China pre-lots of plastic surgery. Yeah, she yes, looks really scary here. has that crazy scary jaw. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of old school. Uh, Own Hart, of course, who was writing the uh, goodwill of the crowd after his brother getting screwed at Survivor Series a few months previously... <laughs> Uh, I love Own Heart. I mean, I'm a massive mark for Own Heart. I love him. Uh, he was the black heart at this point was his thing. They never explicitly stated that he was trying to get revenge on his brother being screwed, but it was kind of implied that he was trying to avenge Brett being thrown out of the company and yeah. by getting back at DX, and that's why he's facing uh, Triple H here. So, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty cool match. Nice mid-car match. I mean, Own Heart straight away is doing cool moves like Hurricanes, uh, Enzigiri, stuff like that. Um, early in the match China goes after own but Commissioner Slaughter kind of squats down a little bit and pulls <laughs> yeah. back on her because he's got this, such a face he pulls yeah. a big face but he's 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 dense he's like yeah. a mound of corn beef he's basically the ball on the chain really isn't he basically yeah, yeah. he may as well be inanimate so uh, we have own heart uh, at one point goes for the sharpshooter Triple H avoiding it and uh, yeah, Triple H he's not really the kind of polished worker he goes on to become later I mean he's not his moves are kind of a little Strange, I suppose. Yeah, yeah you can I, tell. I picked up on that a little bit. That he it, it, he didn't seem to be putting. I know. I don't know. Like he didn't seem to be putting his all into it. I don't think. I think it's literally a case of like he was just trying out these moves for not for the first time, but you know he was still getting used to them, and obviously he just polished it more and more over time. I suppose as well. It, this was at the point where you know if Triple H did you know, a knee smash or something or a spine buster. It wasn't like, oh, you know, it's It a wasn't huge... a big Triple H move, yeah. yeah. But every one of his moves is so established now. It wasn't here. And you get that again with The Rock later on where the crowd aren't going crazy for spots which we now know are these kind of yeah. trademark spots. Uh, Owen gets a very nasty gash on his nose. Good God, yeah, yeah that looks sore. Um, he gets caught with a boot to the face um, at one point or when he goes into the turnbuckle. The crowd starts chanting Owen and you just see straight away he has got this horrible gash on the side of his nose it looks incredibly sore um, continues on though I mean I don't suppose oh yeah yeah these. no yeah. stoppage there was, a, there was a couple of great moments in the match uh, there was a great counter chain which ended in the sharpshooter yes which I was, I was, yeah, I was, that was watching amazing. his counter chain just going wow 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 oh, it was real uh, like high flying kind of action this yeah kind of, but Owen was that. that's all Owen I mean Owen always I mean you see he did a belly to belly as well He's always, all his moves were always really crisp really quick mm. uh, real sudden uh, which is really awesome. Uh, Owen does a re- goes for another Hurricane at one point, and Triple H goes with that big power bomb. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. That was yeah. really really cool. Um, so yeah, I mean they never really slow down this match. To, to in my opinion, they they kind of uh, they really keep up the intensity. 
Triple H uh, gets China. Um, Triple H gets put in the sharpshooter at one point, and then China sneakily manages to grab Pull his hand. hand and puts it on the rope, uh, which really should be a disqualification. A bit rude, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we've got, um, of course, then the <laughs> the dreaded powder comes into play yeah. as uh, China takes out what seems to be a kilogram bag of flour and dumps its entirety onto uh, Sergeant Slaughter, thus blinding him forever. Poor yeah. old Slaughter. Um, Should have had his shades on. That would have helped. Makes quite a mess. I think yeah, it does. It's there what is that for the rest of the pay per view? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, of course, uh, in the perfect storm, Slaughter is, uh, is inadvertently distracted with powder in his face. The referee is inadvertently distracted as well. Owen gets a low blow, and Triple H hits the pedigree and retains the European title at 12 minutes. Yeah. Uh, my main notes here just says powder everywhere. Yeah. Good God, powder everywhere. So, a lot something of powder. I noticed is that uh, straight after uh, Triple H used, uh, did the pedigree, um, I think it was uh, JR said, no one, uh, uh, no one gets up from the pedigree. And I was like, that's a fair enough thing to say, but he did just get punched in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I, think, I, think that is a fa- I think that's an additional He's factor. giving a little bit too much credit to the pedigree there. Yeah, where I, the low I, blow. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, after the match, China is finally freed from the handcuffs as <laughs> Slaughter lays cowering on the ground from this acidic powder, and she decks Slaughter straight away to a big pop from the that crowd. That was also an amazing moment for him. Just, just for a, a little second, the referee, Tim White, there's oh, a yes. little moment oh, where he's yeah. shouting at China, and I swear for a second when he's looking into the camera, he looks like a fat Batista. <laughs> he looks like Batista. It's just something in his face and his eyes. It's just for a second, I thought, you know. Is, is that because you recently watched the uh, was it the OMG moments where Batista quits? He's going. The, the, the best, oh, oh, best oh, moments. That yeah. was amazing when he quit. So yeah, I suppose Shady Batista kind of looks like uh, uh, Tim White. Apparently, Tim White. Apparently, let's check. Who it knew out. it? So uh, yeah, I mean. I, 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 this is one of these matches that I have a lot of nostalgia about. It's, it's not a spectacular, like, it, it, uh, blown away match, but it was I thought entertaining. it was really, really good entertaining, match. really solid, told a really good story. Yeah. And it was one of those cool uh, moments as well, you don't see it very often, where you know, the, the heel wins, the bad guy wins, and he wins by cheating, but you feel that he's, he's outsmarted them as opposed to being really cheap, so to speak, so you feel that it's, he's still kind of deservedly yeah, won. Because at the end of the day, actually, Triple H was sort of like disadvantaged that he didn't have yeah. China in this match, but then they still worked around it, so he's more of a cunning heel in this kind of thing than a cowardly yeah. heel. Yeah, it was but, kind um, of nice to see uh, um, Owen get a, a, a spotlight match uh, at WrestleMania. Well, know? I was going to say um, Owen Hart had died by the time I'd really got into wrestling, so I uh, never really saw much of him. I've only seen a handful of matches. and this That was the what? only match I've seen with Owen Hart in. Oh, really? Yeah. That was my first Owen Hart match, I think. Well, so of course, good Owen, way to start. Owen Hart matches aren't usually found on compilations and stuff because of ongoing legal problems with his... Uh, with his widow, uh, she's constantly suing WWE for using his image and stuff. So, yeah, you don't get to see a lot of Owen Hart uh, stuff, which yeah, is a pity. shame. Uh, Owen was always best as a heel, like as a bad guy. He just knew how to get under the crowd's skin. So he's a little bit out of his element here, trying to, to rally up to people. But as I said, I suppose people wanted to cheer him because they were so upset about what happened with Brett. Yeah. Will we get to see heel Owen in the uh, weeks to come on the podcast? Yes, you will. You will get to see heel Owen very soon. I look forward um, to that then. Owen Hart uh, obviously has all these problems that's going on at the moment in the storyline. You know, His brother has been kicked mm. out. He feels the officer pushing him to the side and he's getting screwed over by DX. So uh, uh, very soon uh, Owen Hart has enough uh, and it's time for a change, as he says. So we go now into a video package with Mark Merrow and Sable taking yeah. on uh, Gold Dust and Luna Vachon. Adam is obviously very uh, excited for this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting video package. It's the first video package we actually get of the night detailing a feud. Um, basically, 
This video package puts over the fact that Mark Merrow is a horrible person, Goldust is a horrible person, uh, Luna is a psychopath, and Sable is, uh, is great. So yeah. you've got a match where 75% of the participants are dicks. Didn't know who to root for here, didn't really care either. Yeah, I, I didn't care. I actually have no idea still, even after watching the match, who Mark Merrow actually is. Um, I'll tell you who Mark Merrow is. Mark Merrow is a no good motherfucker. I, <laughs> I hate Mark Merrow so goddamn much. I absolutely despise him. He's an absolute creep and he's an awful wrestler. Um, this match, I, you know, going into it, I'm not excited um, yeah. about it at all. So, something I, uh, I picked up on it actually in, in the little package was that um, uh, Luna, Luna Golda's voice. Um, she seems to have been the inspiration. Luna, sorry, Luna Golda's. Luna Vachon. Luna really. Vachon. Wow, well, yeah. I said Luna Golda's on the thing, I think. <laughs> no, it's no, Luna you... and Golda's. Oh, yeah. right. well, I got that wrong then. Luna Golda's well, no, and the, uh, She appears to have been the inspiration for Roz from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> oh, there was good lord. Yeah, Luna would have a voice. Yeah, like, yeah. And it was like, it was actually scary because I'd never heard of her before. before you know what? Uh, package, I was like, oh my. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I, I, I think looking back, I think Luna is, does not get the credit she deserves. I, I was hated about to say, Luna. I hated yeah. Luna as a kid so much. But can you name another lady wrestler who would actually, for the sake of of being a bad guy, for the sake of being he, uh, being you know a heel? Would actually make themselves be scary and be ugly and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, every no, other diva in the history job. of yeah, every other diva in the history of WWF has always like even if they're like Satan incarnate, they're still beautiful. That's always yeah. the, the take yeah. home. Luna wanted people wanted little kids to be scared of her with the you know the veins going inside the side yeah. of her forehead and voice. her crazy voice. Um, Goldust um, was going through his artist formerly known as Goldust phase at this, uh-huh. which meant that he was doing kind of weird reinterpretations of his uh, costume and whatnot. It was meant to be done, I think, as uh, as a bit of a rib on, on Prince, who was in the artist formerly known as yeah. at the time. Sometimes Goldust wore cool stuff. Uh, he's wearing what seems to be a silver bin bag and an yeah. XL negligee. It Red wasn't, face paint. Wasn't, wasn't very good. He did it looks look awful. very strange. Yeah. He looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. He looked like uh, some like crazy homeless person had just walked in and you know, said, I'm going to get in this ring and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I do. It, it really is does. like Shockmaster bad. Like seriously, yeah. seriously bad costume. Uh, it's good because in the uh, that video package, you actually get to see some of his other interpretations, and he looks pretty yeah. cool in some of them. Uh, yeah, some of the, they range from uh, good to awful. Yeah, and, uh, of course, WrestleMania being the biggest pay per view of the year, let's make our you know ten out of ten effort. Silver Bimberg. Well, yeah. the, you got a problem, of course, in the match straight away, which we thought would would come, which is Goldust and Mero are handling most of the uh, of the action because Sable is not really a fully trained wrestler at this mm. point nor did she ever really become one so you've got two here you've got uh, Goldust who's a creep and Mero who's a misogynist uh, in the <laughs> eyes of the crowd wrestling and no one really cares but good lord this put over the fact that the crowd seriously will love Sable at this point they are cheering for her the whole time the other guys yeah. are wrestling so this match feels like it has a buzz but it's actually just because the crowd want to see Sable yeah yeah Especially, there's one guy in in the uh, in the in the right hand side, uh, the right hand side, who's uh, looks like Bill Gates, and he's oh, in, in the big, crowd, he's yeah. In, he's in he's in a green yeah. shirt, big he's lime green shirt. You see him a couple times throughout the pay per view, and he's going mental. Him and his mate, he's also in like a similar coloured shirt, just going absolutely mental. Couple of dorks. People around them, you know, just I don't care. I like, I'll never things. understand the how Sable managed to literally be like the the female face of the company for so long. She has no charisma. 
she, so boring. The, like the crowd are clamoring for her, but she doesn't know how to play to the crowd. Like mm. when she tags, she doesn't kind of. There's no nuances. She just to anything gets she in does. the ring and just fights. Yeah. Um. The main kind of moment of the match for me comes. Uh. Mero uh goes to the TKO and it gets uh, countered for DDT, but uh he hits a springboard moonsault. The uh mm. the marvelosity almost missing it, and then after another exchange, we end up uh, Mark Mero going for his finisher, the TKO on uh, Goldust, which is the. Uh, Fireman's carry into a into an ace yeah. crusher kind of position. Good lord, it looked like a newborn child trying to get a, a donkey up on their shoulders. It looked it's awful. Yeah. Devastatingly bad, yeah. Uh, this bad. has been in Botchamania, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Probably. It's been included. Yeah, uh, Mero showing that he's got muscles, but it's all buys and tries. It's all glamour muscles. He's got no core strength. He can't pick that man up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he just wasn't good at all. Like I just like one of the things I've written in my notes is just that, you know, Goldust looks awful, Mark Mero is awful. Is yeah. the, the, the thing that I wrote down pretty much to sum up. Goldust really is holding this match together yeah. because he, he is a hell of a worker. And even though he is kind of a little bit bigger and out of shape than when he's kind of in his prime, uh, he still keeps it together in this match. Mm. And He's still doing his job well. I, yeah. I, I like Luna as well, actually. I mentioned she didn't get to do quite as much in this match as Goldust did, but uh, I still think Luna's uh, pretty good, considering I never got to see much of her yeah. later on in the action. Yeah, uh, Luna proved to be a pretty good foil for Sable, I think, at yeah. the time, in that there wasn't really anyone else for, for Sable to work with. It's a shame that you've got Luna, who's putting her heart and soul into it, going, yeah, yeah, crazy, and then you've got Sable, who's literally like, doesn't oh, care, hello, doesn't I am Sable. I'm going to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, we kind of get the finish, obviously, kind of predictable in the end, where you end up having Sable and Luna left to the ring. Sable hits a TKO that's not great, but looks better than Mark, looks better than Mark Marrow's yeah. version. Um, so, say what you will. Yeah, Mark Marrow, I mean, he used to be a high flyer at this point. His gimmick was that he was a boxer, and that was meant to get heat with the crowd. The idea was meant to be that he was a guy who could do all this high-flying stuff, but he did all this punching instead, and that was meant to get heat with the crowd. But people just hated him. It was go away. He's they didn't yeah. like him. And Sable was the only thing keeping him on TV at this point in time. The match definitely outstayed its welcome as well. I think. How, do you know how long it was? Uh, it went, only it was only ten minutes, but it felt like, felt it like a lot. Longer. But when you add in that very long promo package as well, you've got around fifty. Oh, that was quite a long promo package. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, it was an okay match, I suppose. Overall, I mean, it's just I don't get the the Sable, uh, the popularity. She's ridiculously over the fan. Literally yeah. every time she touches. Touches, uh, puts her hand on someone else's. Yeah, the crowd well, as, I, I wouldn't go as far as that. I say this is a bad match. I really didn't enjoy it. it. Bored me to tears. This was the the first time I'd ever actually seen Sable in a match, and and to see you know all these people and all this crowd, <coughs> all, all, all these men in the crowd going absolutely mental for her, you know, I actually couldn't see why. I mean, you can see it with Lita or Trish. Yeah, they actually can work. Was, she wasn't good. She uh, she was you know clearly being only sort of chanted for because of her looks. And, you know, she, she didn't was, have a character. What she was didn't it? have a character. She yeah. didn't have a personality. She she didn't have the skill. She was just a pretty face, I, I, I think. Uh, yeah, and she was reportedly very much despised backstage by basically everyone. She yeah. had a, a very big attitude. She knew how popular she was. Held the company up for lots of money during contract negotiations. She ended up leaving shortly after afterwards, but... Unfortunately, gentlemen, there's a lot more Sable to come in this uh, in our reviews, so oh boy. Uh, get used to her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, after the uh, frivolity of that match, we get, uh, oh boy, Tennessee Lee is in the ring. But, <laughs> yeah. but don't worry, he's only bringing out Jeff Jarrett and Jennifer Flowers. Um, why? The I mean, most it, confusing segment. I don't segment. understand this, because it's a ring announcer announce and bringing in the ring announcers. How bad must is it be? what they were doing there. How bad must it be for Jeff Jarrett? Uh, Jeff Jarrett, who's kind of 
Thunder in the middle of the card, but wanted to be in that main event always. Mm. And at rest, the, the first big WrestleMania of the Attitude Era when business is really picking yeah. up. And he's accompanying the guest ring announcer. He literally it, has nothing to do here. But there's a guest ring announcer who is also being introduced by Tennessee Williams. Yeah, it's, so, it's so convoluted. Um, Jennifer Flowers, obviously, they got two for one with her. They thought she yeah. did so well yeah. in the last eight let's have her, uh, Let's have her announce. I feel that maybe that something happened with time because she's given the microphone and confusedly says to Jeff, we should do a duet, and then everyone is hushed out of the ring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you think they were meant to do some sort of duet for, for Heel Heat or something? Uh, I, I don't I'm know. Not sure. Jeff God. was meant to be a singer at the time. Yeah, I, I only hope not. Yeah. What I do like about uh, Jennifer here, though, as well, that she can't hold the, the microphone and, and the, the cue card. cards yeah. at the same time. She has to hand the microphone back so she can te- put the next card down. Brilliant. Um, you know, take it back. You know, hard worker. See, yeah, uh, you've got the big... This is a one of the big featured matches now we've got coming up it's Rock Shamrock for the Intercontinental Belt and the Intercontinental Belt was very prestigious at this time but I always hate at WrestleMania when you've got a goofy ring announcer like this you've got a big match feel and then they absolutely butcher the intros yeah, yeah. detracts from it yeah really I'll try does. and put it in here uh, the audio of it but she she kind of goes uh, the nation of domination she accompanied by members of the nation of domination absolutely butchers it the Rock is like looks kind of annoyed when he's coming out almost. wouldn't you be uh, yeah, Rock Shamrock, Ken Shamrock, bloody love this guy. He's having, he's had several matches with The Rock at this point, and the story going in was that The Rock kept finding a way to escape with the title. He get counted out or he get DQ'd. So the storyline in this was if Shamrock, uh, sorry, if The Rock got himself DQ'd, Shamrock would win the IC belt by forfeit. Right. So The Rock can't escape. In no this championship song. advantage. No right? championship advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I noted here Shamrock was enraged early on. Yes, um, <laughs> as is uh, as he is in uh, every clip I think I've ever seen of uh, Shamrock. Yeah, he uh, he appears to have be just been told some awful news and he's taking it out by punching everything. It's been scientifically proven that Ken Shamrock can't go five minutes without screaming. So uh, look out for that in any pay per view or any match starring Shamrock. You know what? I you know you can't do you can only get away with doing this <clears throat> maybe once in a pay per view. Where you have the guys storm to the ring and straight away you go boom and they start going back and forth. Yeah. yeah. You can they did it with Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17 as well. But I love this. Shamrock just bounces to the ring. His music's still playing and straight away it's I loved it. big kicks, big elbows. Right from the I, 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 I love it when matches start just like that. <laughs> yeah. Know, where it's just so quick and just getting to it. Get um, the heat going. Get yeah. it all started off straight away. That was like the first sign I thought this was going to be a good match. You know, just mm. the, the, the you, you could see the, the the rage in Shamrock's eyes and just him. Getting in there and wanting that belt. Well, that was the uh, reported, obviously, at the time. It's legendary that Shamrock was uh, was stiffer than hell, and that mm. they they put him with Vader and stuff in the past to try and tell him to loosen up. But you can tell when he's doing those big kicks and big elbows, he's you know he's, he's, he's yeah, put a little yeah. bit too much UFC in them right hands. I think a little bit too much English on those. <laughs> it feels bad for the Rock, but um, it's fun to watch. It Definitely. makes Shamrock really entertaining. The to Rock is so awesome. Here, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he tries to crawl away and leave straight away. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's why so the Rock immediately sort of gives up and says, "Nah, man, I'm, I'm done." And you know, this. just just tries to run away, and then you know, Shamrock says, "No, you know, I'm." No, again, and, Billy, as someone like you who's only like known the Rock as the more recent Rock, you know that the people's champion the, yeah. the face rock yeah. how was it seeing him like that like a cowardly a little villain I prefer man. it because um, I, I've got a lot of stick from you before but I'm not I'm not so big on the on the rock oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not so big on, on, on well on I suppose when you were watching wrestling he'd already left hadn't he for left, Hollywood so yeah. It, yeah. No, I think it's safe to say the rock at the moment who's, who's on Raw and going into Wrestlemania 
Uh, I think the only reason anyone cheers him is because of all the goodwill from this period. If I only knew The Rock from this period, I'd hate his guts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't, hate, I don't hate him at this point in time. It's just I just don't I don't find it very interesting. Mm. But I've, when I've seen clips of him drawing the Attitude Era, I'm not completely uh, misunderstanding about the, uh, the Attitude Era. The, the little clips I've seen of him, I've, I've liked. Yeah. It's just this. This. You never know. By the time we finish on... like this entire series of podcasts, you could be a rock fan for all. Oh no, I could yeah. be. Yeah. Um, You'll get an appreciation. Sure a chance I will be. Particularly his matches with Shamrock here, he he always came out really well. The character, the kind of you know he can actually wrestle. You know he's good enough, but he just refuses to because he's a smarmy heel. I love that. Mm. Uh, Shamrock grabs a chair and you see in his eyes he's starting to go into the zone as the <laughs> commentators are noting. Uh, referee gets distracted. Rock picks up the chair and cracks the ever-loving bejesus out of Ken Shamrock. It's, it's straight in the What chair a chair shot. shot! Yeah. Wow. Huge. Painful to watch. Uh, hands not up. Shamrock literally takes it right on the forehead. Yep. Uh, dents it right in there. Actually, we saw that in the little video package beforehand as well. It's my favorite chair shot ever. Shamrock on his knees goes to the Rock. I dare you, and the Rock just <laughs> clatters him full force. Scary pretty, to see. Pretty big chair shots, yeah. Um, I don't know how to feel about chair shots like like that nowadays. You see, it's weird because knowing what like chair shots can do to a man, they're horrible yeah. to look at in a way, but at the same time, they are amazing because it's a big, spectacular, like massive clang over someone's head. Yeah, yeah the fans love it. Yeah. Um, and so did we when we watched it. You yeah, know, I, I love seeing that, a chair shot. There's that little moment when you, when you see a chair shot and it's like, yes! And like, you know, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable, but then you do hear about, you know, all the things that you you've learned about you can put, you, you can put your hand you can put your hands up get the same noise and the same reaction yeah. I think yeah and not and if you put your hands up right you know that, that's what all the all the a lot of the old hardcore but, say that you put your hands up you're fine you know but you say that do you think we would have gone quite as mental watching it last night if we'd have actually probably not. exactly yeah that's the big deal but it fits in with Shamrock's character I suppose yeah. as exactly well, you know it's kind of like you you almost believe that Shamrock can can take it. Um, Shamrock hits a back elbow goes for a leaping sidekick power slam two counts then another belly to belly by Shamrock all this, these big moves on that hard old WWF mat yeah. this is not the bouncy mat we know The Rock now. gets the shit knocked out The Rock man. is uh, bleeding from the mouth as Shamrock pops in oh, the ankle lock I love that moment Rock taps out at 4 minutes and 49 your new I was very champion. surprised by that yeah, yeah. Rock, very short match. match I was expecting the match to go on a lot longer new, new champion is Shamrock straight away the bell is ringing The Rock is still in the ankle lock and the nation come in and start attacking Shamrock he suplexes Every single yeah. one of them. It's insane. Mark Henry comes in, a very young Mark Henry, yeah, and uh, throws his hat down, kind of a big come oh, on takes moment. Takes little hat off, yeah. and uh, yeah, Shamrock belly to belly's Mark Henry. It's insane. And then the referees come out, and uh, Shamrock snaps and goes into the zone, and he belly to belly's all the referees, <laughs> and he keeps putting the hold on the Rock. The Rock is gushing blood from his mouth. It's uh, scary. That is actually possibly now I've seen it in one of my favorite images of wrestling history of all time The Rock The Rock no. there crying reaching for the ropes blood dribbling out of his mouth and Shamrock just behind him eyes popping out of his head going Aah! it's terrifying well, I love it because you, you, you used to have so he's popping in the air clock he'd be like I'm going to make you tap you son and he'd always talk to them but Shamrock yeah. is like in another world he's, he's not exactly. even looking at, he doesn't he's know just what gone. he's doing he's, yeah, gone. he's in complete autopilot yeah. he, all he wants to do is inflict pain yeah, in a cool WrestleMania moment, Farouk comes out and The Rock reaches his hands out to help and Farouk goes, hell nah, and just walks away. <laughs> uh, the Farouk was the leader of the nation at the moment and felt The Rock was taking his spot, so this is just kind of to carry on mm. that storyline. Um, yeah, The Rock gets put on a, on a stretcher and uh, is taken away by the EMTs. 
Uh, Shamrock is announced uh, as having lost the belt as the referee has reversed his decision because of his antics. Yeah. The Rock is announced as still being the champion via forfeit. Uh, Shamrock doesn't take this one. Yeah, uh, Shamrock, who after being told that he'd lost the belt due to unsportsmanlike uh, conduct, decides that the best approach to take now is more unsportsmanlike uh, conduct (laughs) and just going Hulk. Um, I love this moment because the second The Rock hears the announcer say, still Intercontinental Champion The Rock, he barely puts his hand up holding the belt (laughs) going going, yay and Shamrock straight away tips him over and he uh, slams him on the uh, stage with the the DX band are playing. Um, Crowd really into Shamrock. I absolutely love this. Great, amazing match. Yeah. It, uh, not I, even, I, I suppose it. it's not even much of a match, but just as a, as a story in a yeah, segment. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. But even then, from a wrestling point of view, because obviously Shamrock's doing most of the moves here, kicking the shit Shamrock's out of Rock. Shamrock's just going all out. He's putting everything into it. But that's not to take anything away from The Rock, because his selling in this oh, match yeah, was definitely. absurd. He was like he was a rubber band or something. Yeah. He was just flying around all the over the place. The Rock made Shamrock look like It's uh, yeah. something he can't do nowadays, is, is sell like he did uh, does in that match. That's what's amazing about The Rock back here, is yeah, you look at the energy and like the athleticism he's got on him back here when he's this young. It's he's a lot leaner, amazing. so he's, uh, he's a lot lighter as well. He's, yeah. not, he's, he's a lot quicker. He's more uh, of a Dolph Ziggler than a, yes, anything definitely. else at this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Shamrock's aggression here was great. I absolutely love this. This is one of my favourite wrestling Real moments. fun match. Um, we get the uh, video airing, I suppose, fittingly after this match about uh, you know wrestlers complaining that people don't think they're real athletes and they're not tough enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, people telling you how they're NCAA athletes and jerseys and football and whatnot. I just remember this... Uh, Video for Steve Austin going try loose in my boots. Um, I kind of prefer don't tr- just say don't try this at home. Same message. <laughs> try lace my boots. Yeah, I, I'm. I dare you. I well, love that. Actually, actually, yeah, that's a very good point. That's not saying don't try this at home. That's more of saying I dare. It's, it's I dare you to have a go. You couldn't do this. I love it. I was like, you know, used to get in trouble lots. I used to be wrestling in the schoolyard lots when I was a kid. Probably after seeing pay per views like this, and the teacher would get you, and they go, "Look at that!" And they point at Steve Austin. Try lacing his boots. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't lace his boots. He's he's he, he played football. He's, he's in America. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> okay, we get a little clip showing a horrifying moment on Raw, one that will live in infamy for years, as the New Age Outlaws put Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, who's Terry Funk into a dumpster and throw it off the side of the stage. Yeah, that's the shocking OMG, moment. It's an OMG moment, the, yeah. uh, the compilation. How old was Terry Funk there when that happened? 53 years young. Good God in heaven. First of all, I'm going to say this in this His match. dedication to the craft, and mm. that's something that, that runs throughout this whole match, is, is Terry Funk. Yeah. yeah. Terry Funk looks awesome. Oh for, yeah, for his for age, age, he looks yeah. outstanding here. Yeah. Compared to when Flair was the same age, mm. Flair looked like death when he was wrestling at 53. Yeah. Or even Hogan. Funk looked like Funk still. And, yeah. Uh, as a testament to Terry Funk, because this was filmed around the same... This was uh, broadcast around the same time as Beyond the Mat was being filmed. And you know from watching that, uh, that his knee is in real bad shape. Yeah, yeah but he hasn't got any knees anymore. No, yeah, exactly. there. He's just got nothing now. Uh, you see it throughout the film. Uh, you know, Terry Funk is meant to be not being able to get around comfortably, yet alone wrestling a tag team title match in a dumpster match. Yeah. So it's Terry Funk and Cactus Jack taking on the New Age Outlaws here. Uh, in a tag match and it's a dumpster rules match which means both men must go into a dumpster and the lids must be yeah. shut this yeah. was the, the first time I'd seen the, the, the New Age Outlaws 
Uh, the oh yeah. Really iconic, yeah. Yeah. The my only experience of the New Age Outlaws is the uh, the deviousness uh, promo. That's that's my only experience of them. And you a lot said, of people yeah, might not be aware of the uh, deviousness promo. We'll uh, have to it's explain it some point. What? It's like one six something or other. We'll attach it on our Twitter somewhere. We'll we'll link it onto our Twitter and you can see the deviousness promo. It's an amazing promo. video. Yeah. And I, I, you were saying it perfectly sort of encompasses who they are as people. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a great introduction to the New Age. Ro- Outlaws. Roadway Jesse James and Badass Billy Good were basically they were like quite like that. I hear in, in real life at the time they were like they were punks they were you know abrasive they were you know never took anything seriously they were they were great workers though uh, but I suppose they were kind of screwed up most of the time uh, yeah. according to most people pills, dope everything you can imagine but uh, the story in this match is uh, Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn apparently had it in for Terry Funk because Terry Funk had a right hand like a brick and a left hand like a steel uh, steel mace <laughs> and apparently the, they said in their shoot interview they did with RF Video their their men- mentality going into this match was let's get that old bastard <laughs> uh, and good lord Terry Funk takes a whipping in this one yeah it really does. shows that does it's uh, your kind of hardcore brawl here it's slow kind of uh, spots but the dumpster constantly being used Cactus Jack takes a sick bump into it early on as he flips over and his leg cuts yeah, the side. Yeah, the, the ankle, you can just see his ankle uh, hitting the side. You can just tell straight away he's not going to be... There's some uh, nasty bumps. Yeah, yeah it gets a little he's confusing okay at points though. where both uh, Cactus and Funk seem to go into the into the uh, dumpster, but they haven't put on the lids. But sealing a lid over a plastic lid isn't as dramatic as sealing a coffin or burying yeah. someone alive. And it's Billy Gunn takes strange. like a good 10 minutes to close the lid. He's just there celebrating like, yeah, let's go get him, before he <laughs> finally closes the lid. And then, of course, they've already got back out again. So. Yeah. Um, the let's get this old bastard mentality is quite evident when the <laughs> The outlaws just rip off uh, Funk's awesome Funky shirt and smack him right in the tits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terry Funk gets a, a double power bomb, I believe, into the. Uh, yeah, that's right. Into, into the bin, the, and you see straight yeah. afterwards, uh, Terry Funk has got this horrible purple. He's got big welts. Oh yeah, on his back. right over his kidney. Right over yeah. his kidney, and knowing the age Funk is and uh, the the injuries he has, it's hard to see to see him. Yeah, a bruise that color, disgusting. Uh, big spot in this match was when uh, Cactus Jack sets up a ladder. For some reason, <laughs> Billy Gunn, for some reason, climbs up with Cactus Jack. Uh, uh, Road Dog hits Terry Funk in the head with a with a steel cookie sheet, and everyone falls off and goes. Funk falls the, over, knocks the ladder. The ladder goes into the dumpster. Goes into the bin. Um, yeah, um, crowd is uh, kind of uh, trying to keep up, I suppose, as are the announcers with all the crazy brawling that goes on. But the guys all head into the backstage area then, where things take a bit of a. Uh, Bizarre twist. Yeah, well, one of the first things that happens when they get into the backstage area is I can't remember who it is, but someone throws his opponent right into a giant stack of enormous drinks bottles. Yeah, like these <laughs> it's so enormous strange. soda bottles. It makes no sense. I don't understand where they came from. It's like the uh, the legendary hardcore matches that uh, Mick Foley and Owen Hart had, where they like had you know the little individual covers for drinks cups, and they'd sell them like sledgehammer shots, <laughs> or you hit them with the popcorn like it was a chair shot. Like yeah. they also had them fighting in that little corridor and they're pushing over like, the catering trolley and stuff yeah, As you see, making a mess Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson waving their hands going please stop stop knocking over everything someone's got to clean that up <laughs> um, the end of the match comes pretty soon as Terry Funk uh, proving that he's obviously got a forklift license uh, <laughs> he can operate uh, heavy machinery Terry yeah. Funk can operate heavy machinery uh, gets the uh, outlaws on a pallet dumps them into the uh, 
into the dumpster and then brings down the uh, the, the lid and seals them in. Uh, I think if we can get, find the audio, we'll play it. He's Definitely so happy the audio that he here. has one. You don't need a crazy man driving a forklift! This boat and new world wrestling Federation tag team champions. Is it happiness? Pose. No, it's it's scary. It's insanity. Yeah. Um, if Screaming. we had just seen Ken Shamrock literally blow a gasket, it would have probably stood out even more. Yeah. But Terry Funk is headbutting this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the new winners, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, are the new tag team champions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the decision will be overturned the next night on Raw because uh, they didn't put them in the regulation dumpster. Oh. So, something I actually you said. You actually pointed that out. I was watching it. So yeah. I don't think that was, oh, I didn't actually know that. Uh, Vince Russo, Kiba. We, me, and, uh, <laughs> me and Adam argue that because it was a... Was it a Vinny's? What was the name? It was a uh, Viner's, I believe it said on it. Yeah. The, the name of the dumpster. They had the same make of dumpster backstage as they did uh, in the arena. <laughs> it was a red one as well. Exactly, so. yeah. The same logo on it. Free advertising for the dumpster company. So this is uh, Terry Funk's second um, WrestleMania appearance. The last time he appeared was WrestleMania 2. So that's going back a few years. Good lord. Wow. Uh, I love this match mainly for seeing Cactus Jack and, and Terry Funk, uh, you know, mixing up on the big stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the only time at WrestleMania you actually get to see the New Age Outlaws, uh, you know, just being a tag team match as the New Age Outlaws. Instead of being part of D-Generation X. DX or yeah. on their own or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this match. It really kind of set the standard for the hardcore kind of style that you got, um, you know, for years to come in WBF at the time. Oh yeah, definitely. The Shades of WrestleMania X7's uh, hardcore match. Yeah, it's definitely. Really, yeah, no, really, really cool hardcore match. When they said it was a dumpster match, I didn't expect all the backstage stuff and all that. Uh, all yeah, the... you never get that anymore. I mean, I used to love when they go backstage, anything could happen, but they never go backstage nope. anymore. I think maybe they just did it too much, you know? Mm. Last time I went backstage was uh, last year, I think, John Cena versus Kane, where Kane fell over and got loads of flour all over his ass. He'd be quite bummed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Um, the Outlaws the next night would uh, join D-Generation X and officially kind of start their massive run as kind of being the, the guys. They won the tag belts back, obviously, as mm. well. So, uh, yeah, the New Age Outlaws, very, very big part of the, uh, of the Attitude Era, obviously. We'll be seeing a lot of them. Terry Funk, uh, this is one of his last big hurrahs with, with, his wrestling, with his WWE run at the time, but Cactus Jack will be seeing a lot of Mick Foley in the podcast. I'm looking forward to that because Mick Foley is one of my favourite wrestlers. There's some good stuff to come here, Billy. I think we all can agree on that, but he's, oh, uh, yeah. he's a, he's a favourite of ours. Without Definitely. question. No, and he put over the Outlaws well in this as well, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he really, really, good. yeah. Uh, everyone, I think, it put over the Outlaws to kind of earn their respect is that they can kind of, you know, hang with these guys. Definitely. So, it's time for the semi-main event. The resurrection of a damned soul. The torment of a troubled past. Born of the same blood. Two brothers. Now, the story must be told. Undertaker! Burn the funeral home to the ground! You killed your family, Undertaker!
this is one of the big, uh, the, the co-main event that many people would argue. You've got The Undertaker taking on his brother Kane in their first ever televised encounter. Uh, as you can tell, we just played the, uh, the package there. This was a really intense feud. Kane was brought in with so much uh, hype behind him and yeah. really lived up to it. He was put over as such a monster. Paul Bear, as in this, he doesn't get enough credit for this period of time. Yeah. When he was kind of semi-serious, his mic work is unbelievable. This Genuine is the, heel. This is the first time I've, I've seen Paul Bearer like this. I, I've mm. only seen Paul Bearer as, you know, the pale the face, kind of covered in makeup, yeah. you know, pantomime sort of character, but watching Paul Bearer work here was he has absolutely this real, amazing. Yeah, he he can be a credible villain, can't he? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He has this real kind of scary, I don't know, it's almost like evangelical Christian preacher kind of yeah, saying about a bird in hell and all this stuff. Uh, Undertaker comes out. Uh, this is uh, going on the street now. This is his seventh uh, WrestleMania encounter. Uh, Undertaker coming out with his entrance, absolutely epic. Possibly mm. one of the first truly, really big WrestleMania entrances yeah. that would become yeah. kind of a stalwart. He comes out with the Druids. They have the fire. He's got the big gang. It really um, sort of uh, sets everything up. You know, these 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 two larger than life, massive characters. Coming to a head for the first time, you know, it makes it into yeah. the epic battle that it deserves to be, yeah, kind of definitely. thing. Yeah, all the hype that builds up to it. I mean, in some in some regards, WWE were taking a huge gamble with this because they had kind of dabbled before in the in elements of the fantastique, spelled with a ph. Uh, but this was them truly kind of going into full on kind of you yeah. know super villain superhero magic Insanity. powers. Yeah. yeah, this is like full on kind they, of they 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 went stuff. all out. Yeah, I mean, he's got Undertaker, you know, throwing lightning bolts, screaming yeah. at a microphone. Uh, it was very interesting, you know, so a lot of hype going into this match. Uh, of course, beforehand, we've got a uh, very infamous moment. When Kane comes out, he comes out to interrupt Pete Rose, who is our other celebrity at WrestleMania, besides Mike Tyson and Jennifer Flowers. Uh, <laughs> Pete Rose comes out, makes a hundred million uh, softball references that go right over my head. Yep. Yep. Apparently Boston can't win a World Series. Well, not with that attitude, Pete. I guess that's insulting. Take that, Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. um, but Pete, to his credit, gets a crazy amount of heat. and uh, I've always said it. I love when you've got... A big celebrity, well-known celebrity, who's like, you know, could easily come out and be like, hey, everyone, you know, buy my stuff. But he's like, nah, let's be a heel. I'll be a heel, yeah. I love that when a well-known yeah. celebrity knows that people want to hate Doesn't him. happen enough. Whenever yeah. you get like, guests on Raw nowadays who just come out like, hey, yeah, I'm here, my new album's out soon, or whatever. Like, just, they're, yeah, yeah, just generic celebrities. They're not really got a personality Here's the thing about as well. If I told you before you saw this pay-per-view that two people are going to be involved in this big celebrity involvement, Pete Rose and Mike Tyson... And I said to you, name the one you think is going to take a tombstone pile driver. <laughs> you probably would say Mike yeah. Tyson, the yeah, professional that's fighter. Very true. Not the fifty-something-year-old uh, no, retired baseball player. He was game for everything. Yeah, he, he yeah. took the full. Man, that was amazing. I um, always felt a little bit weird that they're trying to make Kane be this scary monster, but they have him kill a, a villain at the start. It kind of was a little bit strange to see the crowd cheering for Kane. Yeah, because the crowd wanted to see Pete Rose get tombstone. Obviously, I guess it, in that sense, it would have made more sense for Pete Rose to come out and be a nice guy, and then have Kane a little. Or have him. the Undertaker tombstone him instead. Actually, actually, yeah, but yeah, that makes far more sense. Yeah, but anyway, needless to say, the match starts off, and straight away, it you kind of get a. a, a you know what you're in for in this match. It's it's all power. There's just big clotheslines, punch, kicks, uppercuts. Uh, you know the the announcers they do this thing, and it seems to be every time the Undertaker wrestles, they kind of, they always go, "I've never seen the Undertaker so physically dominated, or he's never mm. been overwhelmed like this before." 
literally every match the Undertaker he's in, they always say, "I've never seen the Undertaker dominated like this before." Yeah. Uh, anytime the Undertaker isn't on offense, apparently he's been dominated like never before. I'm gonna know that. <laughs> I'm gonna notice that all the time from now on. Oh, thanks a lot, Kev. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Man. Um, you've got yeah a lot of brawling early on. Uh, the first cool spot of the match comes when Undertaker runs the ropes and jumps right up on uh, Kane's shoulders. A big electric yes, chair. Like, I yeah. I never thought I'd see such huge men doing something like that both it guys was, are in com- seven feet like, it, it you know. completely took me by surprise I, I was stunned when I saw that for the first time a man the size of the Undertaker to jump up and not only jump up but to the height of Kane as well who's even taller and than him and stay there exactly, and yeah. do some punches yeah, yeah exactly surely the momentum of it would have just toppled Kane over but the fact that he actually managed to stand upright for a second it- Undertaker has got like crazy agility crazy athleticism and we'll see more of it later on in this mm. match uh, one thing I noted about Kane here is that you can't really see it with his big uh, costume but Kane is crazy big in this. He's oh yeah, like, he's yeah. ripped. Yeah. The one arm you see, that's a gun right there, let me yeah. tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got uh, Paul Bear at ringside as well, and every time the camera comes past him, he'll say something like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, which I thought was uh, was was pretty cool. Um, huge moment in this match, and some would argue this is the kind of the WrestleMania moment, so to speak. Undertaker charging Kane, jumping over the top the suicide rope, dive. and goes yeah. right through the Spanish announce table. And apparently uh, kills the uh, one of the uh, Spanish commentators. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. He uh, just falls like a sack of shit. Actually, it's funny you should say that. I noticed at WrestleMania 14 there was three Spanish announcers, and normally there's only two. Tito Santana, Hugo Senovich, and a third guy. Is it possible that Undertaker legitimately killed someone with that suicide dive and then no, we never saw No, but him? ironically, the year before, Hugo Senovich apparently nearly committed suicide before WrestleMania 13. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me this. Let's uh, carry on with the match show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, again, Jim Ross keeps going on about this uh, this dominating thing. I don't know, did you guys pick up on this? It really ir- I, it I never actually noticed it. The, but... the, the thing that I kept picking up on that uh, Jim Ross kept talking about was uh, that... Uh, if whatever look, uh, whatever facial expression the the Undertaker had, it wasn't out of boredom. He kept making a point. Oh, it wasn't yeah. out of boredom. Then if the camera would cut to the Undertaker and he'd look really, really bored. Yeah, yeah. Undertaker, um, I think he, maybe he was gassed or whatever, but he has this very strange, perplexed, uh, mouth open face. When yeah. Kane has that chin lock on for what seems like an eternity. Quite though. a while. I'm going to call yeah, him on that. while. Yeah. But I suppose they're going so fast and they're so big, it's natural that you know that's gonna. They need to chill out for a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, we get this huge sequence that starts in the end. It starts with Undertaker going for a tombstone, and Kane manages to flip him back in a very scary moment, and he tombstones him himself. I think that one of the one of the first times we've actually seen someone counter the tombstone like that and yeah. get their own one. Uh, really yeah. cool moment. Uh, Undertaker, um, you know, kicks out. Of this, uh, of the of the tombstone, which is you know, which is a big upset. And Undertaker in the next few moments hits three tombstone pilebiters on Kane, uh, pinning a him. Sight to behold. A, a lot of tombstones to in this match. No one had ever kicked out of a tombstone, according to Jim Ross, at this moment in time. I'm not entirely sure if that's. They always say that about yeah, big finishes. Often lying. Kick out of two tombstones. And then even on the third tombstone, the second the ref counts three, Kane puts Kane his hand still up. kicks out, yeah. Uh, immediately, as soon as the bell rings, uh, Paul Bear hits the ring, but just as I think as a moment, there is you showing a way that you can beat someone like Kane, but still make him seem like a scary, scary monster. Yeah, yeah, because he still wasn't done. Exactly. Um, so Kane technically was beaten, but it made it seem like the Undertaker half killed himself to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get this weird little thing afterwards, which is you know Kane and uh, Paul Bear go to work on Undertaker. I don't know who told Paul Bear to put the boots to Undertaker, but it looks good. Yeah. He's there in the corner going. Very lame. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that kind of sets up a rematch, which will be at Unforgiven, which will be our next podcast, the Inferno match, which is a big one. But uh, immediate thoughts on this match. I mean, this is one which I feel myself uh, hasn't lived up with nostalgia. Because when you take away the mystique of Kane, it becomes a punch and kick fest. Yeah, I know what you mean. But uh, personally, for me, like, uh, as I grew up with, Kane was always my favourite wrestler throughout the Attitude Era. Like, always my favourite wrestler. And I've always been like a massive mark for any time the two of them are in the ring at the same time. Whether they're working together or whether they're fighting against each other, I always go like absolutely crazy when Kane and Undertaker are together. And looking back on this, because I wasn't really familiar with this match as much as you were, obviously, mm-hmm. it still amazes me just how big a spots they did in this. Like, I know yeah. there's not that many spots in it, but the things like the, the electric chair mm-hmm. and the suicide dive and the amount of tombstones as well. Four tombstones in one match is a lot. No, I, I, yeah. I really, really love this match, actually. I thought it was great. What about you, Billy? I mean, because this is... You, for you, seen Kane, because you always saw Kane as the unmasked Kane, which yeah. Yeah. he was always meant to be, still be kind of a monster, but he was a monster who seems to lose every time he's on TV. So, yeah. I mean, what was it like seeing Kane as this invincible Superman for you? I liked seeing him like that. I liked seeing him being, you know, this unstoppable monster. But overall, I don't think the match was that amazing. I, I, I'd say it, it, was, it was good. It wasn't bad, but, mm. you know, it, it still wasn't. It wasn't great, you know. I think there was too much downtime. I mean, you have those really cool spots that you mentioned, but when you sit and you watch this entire match, I mean, you know, it's it's nearly 20 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. And you factor in the entrances with Undertaker and Pete Rose, we're talking half an hour. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of, it goes on quite a bit. What I will say is, you know, it's a good match. It wasn't their best. They would go on to have much better matches. Than oh, yeah. Seeing some I, I look forward so, to those matches. Yeah. Definitely. It was a really cool few. It was though. a good start. Mm. And it was they a managed, good place to start. Yeah, they managed to pull it off in the sense of, because the, the promo video hyped it up as being this larger-than-life clash of titans, it did live up to that, though, still. It wasn't like kind of they're all like, build them up as being two superhuman guys. And then they're just two guys. And it's just two guys doing No, they do pins. feel like monsters. Yeah. You, imagine if, at the time, you were like watching this back when it happened, and you were like eagerly anticipating, finally, Kane and Undertaker will finally get to fight each other. I imagine that that would have satisfied you. Oh, definitely. You'd be happy with yeah. that match. I remember you know, from the first toys I got as a kid, I got Undertaker and Kane toys, and most of it was because of uh, because of this match, yeah. because of the, the hype around this. So anyway, gentlemen, it is now time for the main event. May I present to you the enforcer, the baddest man, the baddest man. The baddest man. Oh, that's going to leave a mark for sure. Unquestionably, the baddest man. I never knew the guy there was so crazy. I'm not gonna take that from Steve Austin or anybody. That's what it's all about is respect, and indeed respect it will be. I am calling your ass out. You wanna do it? Let's do it right now. Wait a minute. Good God, don't tell me that my Tyson has done it. You think you can tell me what to do? Can you be a fair, impartial enforcer? Know who you're talking to? Fair, you better give it the program, man. What's gonna happen if Stone Cold gets in your way? Champion! Big man. You're a big man. 
Okay, we start off now with this uh, video package highlighting Mike Tyson being involved in uh, WWE. I think we all have played it for you there, but I love Vince McMahon's voice going, Iron Mike, Iron Mike, Iron Mike, the baddest man. Wow, it still is weird for me seeing Mike Tyson in WWE. It's peculiar, isn't it? I don't like it. Well, Vince, it, Vince certainly dipped his pockets in. This did not come cheap. This is the uh, height of Iron Mike's uh, of Iron Mike's popularity. This put a lot of eyes on this pay per view. Yeah, uh, this sold this pay per view. Yeah. really. this made my Mike Tyson being in this made it culturally kind of relevant. It made it that the normal people who just didn't know really about wrestling they had to see what Mike yeah. Tyson was going to do, and and because of that, those people find out who Steve Austin was. I think that that's so that's kind of important to state. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, the involvement of Iron Mike Tyson is kind of. You can make legitimate reasons against it, I suppose. Oh, yeah. easily. But it, I, don't like, I don't like it. This is this is three years almost to the this is three years almost to the month um, after he was released from prison for convicted rape. Mm. He was convicted mm. of rape, and I, I just find it strange that they gave him this platform. You know, it's, it's something that I've had with Mike, uh, a gripe I've had with Mike Tyson in various forms of media, like for example, the film uh, The Hangover. Or you've been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Or, you're inducting a convicted rapist into the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that there have been other wrestlers and other people who've been indu- inducted into the the Hall of Fame. Who haven't been, man has some who views haven't on been this, I Yes, he does. <laughs> but, but I just find it very strange uh, to in, have included Mike Tyson uh, in in WrestleMania, and I know he was uh, in it quite a bit afterward. Uh, I just purely from a business point of view, though, you can surely see why they yeah. did this because there was no WWF exploded. No one, there was no one else. There's no one he else. Was that was. That, he was a real cash time, and yeah. they used him well in terms because of that. they've used. I big, just disagree with the sort of the morality behind it. They've used big sports names before. WrestleMania uh, 11 had Lawrence Taylor, who was a big NFL guy. But the thing is, is that I think Vince even knew that Mike Tyson was beyond America. He had, a, I mean, I knew Mike Tyson was when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Global you know, reach. He was one of the few people that was a true American star, but had that global reach. And that's mm. why this pay-per-view really like resonated around the world. Um, it's Austin and it's Michaels. It's the WWF title. Austin won the Royal Rumble in 1998 to earn this shot. This, many people knew going in, was Shawn Michaels going to be his last match. Michaels was in very rough shape. As was Steve Austin. Austin had nearly broken his uh, neck from uh, own heart at the SummerSlam 97 and had just come back. So he was in bad condition. But Shawn Michaels' back was just gone at this point. And in addition to his personal problems and his substance abuse problems, it makes for a strange watch because you've got two guys who've had to adapt their styles and one person in particular, Shawn Michaels, I don't think should even have been wrestling here. No, no. definitely um, not. I know I mentioned it to you guys just before you watched this, but do you think Shawn Michaels... Uh, injuries were noticeable in this match yeah. outside of it, it's really hard to tell because obviously you told me that before I watched it so I knew going in that he had a back injury but um, I suppose even not knowing that information knowing who Shawn Michaels is you can clearly tell something's not right because he's not wrestling he's not on his usual game he's not as but fast he, as he normally is a lot of the match is just you know um, the first half of the match is just Michaels kind of out punching Austin running yeah. around a bit the, you don't get that quick immediate style it's not Shawn sure Michaels yeah. he never stopped and that's something I, I, I admire about him it, during this match is that he he never s- stopped you know going for it he he always tried to do as much as he can which some people might argue that's stupid he shouldn't have done he should have 
try to rest a little bit during the match, but I'd argue he does he, slow down considerably. Uh, well, you say that though, but I mean, I mean, I'm looking here. Um, right in the first few moments of the match, uh, Michaels tries to do with you know his upside down bump in, in yeah. the corner. I mean, that, he takes that entirely on the small of the back, which yeah. is where his injury was. And then straight afterwards, he takes a atomic drop from Austin. He's taking these bumps like yeah. So I mean, part of it must be him just going, you know, fuck it, no, let's just do it anyway. I mean, it's crazy, I think, for Michaels to be doing these kinds of uh, moves. Mm. Um, when Austin's in control, you don't really notice it. But later in the match, when Michaels starts taking over, Michaels' pain is uh, very, very apparent. Mm. Uh, notably, when he does a snapmare, he just screams fuck yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, it's actually so bad that the announcers even have to kind of say, look, he's... He's he's injured. Oh yeah, they they, they eventually yeah. start calling on yeah. don't they? Put and it was as if it was kind of hard, because if Austin was the one that was really badly injured, they could have turned this they could have turned this into a nice you know injured hero beats the villain. Yeah, it's hard to build psychology for a match when the big bad guy is is the weak one. I feel sorry for Shawn Michaels yeah. in this match, and I'm not meant to because he's meant to be this scumbag. You yeah. Know? Um, Interesting enough, you guys may have noticed this. Uh, Mike Tyson's involvement in the match is basically non-existent. Minimal, I, yeah. I, I think I've written his name maybe once. Um, honest, yeah. considering he's synonymous the, with this uh, paper. The, the only the only thing in my notes regarding uh, Mike Tyson is his tattoo. What it, is it, that? Yeah, it looks like he's got a tattoo of his own face on his shoulder. <laughs> he drew it on with mascara yeah. or something. Yeah, but he really had, didn't do anything. He was mainly there for after the match, That's which we'll true. talk about in a minute. But. Yeah. Um, what you'll notice here, though, is how over Steve Austin is. Oh, From the time. moment they show that shot, that iconic shot of Austin walking through the backstage area, the crowd straight away is electric. Austin was so, so over. Austin was ready, I'd say, the year before Austin was ready to be the champion, but they waited and they made the people wait as well, and it paid it off good, beautifully good, here. A, the, crowd is, yeah, the crowd are chanting Austin's name like quite a bit in this match, so you get a really cool big fight feel, which kind of helps cover up some of the limitations maybe that these guys have. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. The, the crowd totally makes There'll up for There'll be a lot of rose-tinted glasses. Definitely, whilst watching, yeah. definitely. Whilst watching that match when they, you know, live If it wasn't for there. the buzz, that match would probably feel a hell of a lot weaker than it actually did seem because of the crowd, the actual energy they mm. give it. It's one of the few matches on the card as well that really feels like a, a WrestleMania kind yeah. of match, a bigger than life. True, actually, yeah. Know? Not a lot of the matches on the card did feel like WrestleMania. No, it's, yeah, as yeah. WrestleMania as they kind of, they define it now, this really felt like it. Um... Michaels uh, starts working the leg and he hits the figure four leg lock, which I thought was pretty cool considering, you know, Michaels and Flair worked a lot uh, later on. Uh, Michaels seemingly towards the end of the match now as he's getting in control over Austin, almost as a uh, FU to some of his detractors, he goes for his, uh, you know, his flying forearm, that signature spot. Yeah. It literally looks like he's just collapsing down. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's no height on it at all, is there? But straight yeah. away he nips up. Yeah, he how, does a little kip yeah. up, doesn't he? How it's insane. Running, he's is that? running on adrenaline. He must yeah. be... He, he, he must be in so much pain at that point to do something, to do like nip up, you know, to get up so quickly. He's notorious for that though, to try and show to show yeah. people up yeah. you know, to do that. Um, Austin and Michaels, what's great about this match is the best thing about it, the closing sequence where Michaels goes for switch and music, Austin ducks, goes for it again, flips him around, stunner, absolutely brilliant so yeah. smooth perfect goes. ending yeah. yeah so quick so quick yeah absolutely amazing well, uh, normally the it. thing you get at the end of the matches as well like someone goes for a finisher misses it then the other guy gets his finisher that's the end but the fact that it goes on two or three times exactly. there's a little bit of back and forth makes it a lot more tense and this is old school as well as the fact you've got two guys who are working you're trying to work the other guy down enough so they can hit their finisher it's in in modern day times this happened you would have had Austin hit the center three or four times yeah or Shawn Michaels hit switching music three or four times 
there's only one finishing move in the match, and that's the stunner, and that ends it. That's how it should three. be. Finishes yeah. mean nothing and nowadays. The, the, the count was done by Mr. Mike Tyson as Roy Kyoto had been taken out, and Tyson yeah. was a very fast count. Yeah, one, two, three. He did a very good job there, Mike. Well done. Yeah, um, that one job. One job, <laughs> count to three. You did it technically, but he did have a second job, and that was to put on a uh, Stone Cold Three Sixteen T-shirt, which we saw him failing to do. He after just the kind match. of holds it up, yeah, um, like a matador holding up a red rag. Yes, Austin wins the belt, and signifying the the beginning of the Austin era with that iconic line, Jim Ross screaming, "The Austin era has begun." Not before, of course, Shawn Michaels tries to have words with Mike Tyson, leading to Mike Tyson. Knocking out Shawn Michaels in his first and only offensive maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty cool to see Michaels take that big punch. Really cool way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he fell like a sack of shit. Yeah. yeah. Some people say if you pay close attention on one of the cameras, you can see Michaels smiling and winking into the camera after he takes the punch. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'm going to look this up. Big story about this match was that apparently Shawn, Shawn Michaels, even though he knew his, his time was up, he was on the verge of refusing to drop the belt. And apparently, if it wasn't for an intervention, The Undertaker saying, basically, you go out there or you're going to get the shit knocked out of you. He yeah. did it. But it just kind of shows that Shawn Mike, the Shawn Michaels we know now and this guy are not the same person whatsoever. This yeah, yeah. Uh, Self-centered, broken shell of a man. And in a way, I was happy to see him go away at this point because you could see he looked so old and tired you said it last night, Adam. Anytime you look yeah, at it. Yeah, it's, it's actually really peculiar how Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 to me looks worse than Shawn Michaels nowadays, considering the amount he's aged since then. Mm. He looks like he's a much happier person nowadays. Just literally his face. Yeah. Literally, it's like his face has changed he, altogether he, he at the time. Like he could never smile. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's that whole thing about him losing yeah. his smile. It's, it's actually good that he like left after that and took time off. I think so. He definitely needed it. And he was actually back by the time I started watching. Yes, he did yeah. wrestle again so, until SummerSlam 2002, so a very long hiatus. I actually think I actually remember the return of Shawn Michaels being one of the first one of the first sort of uh, things I watched when I yeah. first got into wrestling. Mm. Well, there you go. This match signifying the start of the Austin era. Huge, huge repercussions. The next night on Raw, Raw beat Nitro in the ratings and continued to do so for a long time. Mm. Uh, next night on Raw, you get the beginning of the Mystery Man character. The next night on Raw, DX is reformed with Triple H, Xbox who comes back, and the New Age Outlaws. Basically, the Attitude Era, as you know it, starts after this with Austin uh, on top. Looking back, guys, what were your main thoughts on the pay-per-view? Did you think this lived up to the hype? Ooh. Do you think it aged well? Overall, obviously, it's an extremely significant WrestleMania, but I wouldn't say it was that great a pay-per-view, No, personally. it's not. Um, a couple of matches, really good. A couple of matches, average. Overall, I don't know. It's, it's As a way of setting up for the Attitude Era, great. Yeah. Uh, in terms of it actually as a pay-per-view, viewing it as an individual pay-per-view, I'd say it's pretty average. Exactly. Know. When you look at just the matches and just what you saw from this one pay-per-view, I'd say, yeah, it's nothing special. It's okay, but there's nothing amazing here. Mm -hmm. But when you consider the significance of it and like how important it is to the Attitude Era, then yeah, it's obviously really, really... Well, one thing I think they did really effectively here was while they may not have given the best matches they possibly could have given, what they definitely did show was that all these new people who were coming in once and what, what, what dressing for were here for Mike Tyson. They showed them a little bit of everything. You got to see the hardcore action. You got to see the kind of, you know, the the, the women that they had. You got to see the fast pace action with the cruiserweights. You got to True. see all their personalities. Got so to see all it, of their tag teams. It was well. a good. It was a good sampler for what they had on offer, and they hooked a lot of people. And the main way, look at this. 
their buy rate for WrestleMania 14 was triple the buy rate of WrestleMania 13. Wow. That kind of says it all then, I suppose. Yeah. Right, and that says it, yeah. it all. I mean, have you ever heard of a WrestleMania doing three times as many That's as the insane, one before? That's insane, yeah. Absolutely insane. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think... I think it, it probably doesn't stack up and, and uh, live up to the hype in terms of match quality, but in terms of storylines and characters, I think it's definitely there. And I mean, I think everyone still kind of, you know, comes out looking really good in this, particularly Austin. You can tell big things are coming at the end of this pay-per-view. Gentlemen, our final two things we're going to do here. I want you to pick your pay-per-view MVP and also your match of the night. We'll start with you, Adam. Who's your main man on this uh, pay-per-view? Hmm... I'm literally just just because I'm a massive mark for him, and just because I'm such a sucker for him, just Kane because he is an absolute monster here. Like, is mm. is wrestling maybe not like you know the most amazing person on the uh, the entire card, but just as a character, Kane really shines here because he's undefeatable. Well, that's a very very poor way to put it. Cause he's <laughs> he does get defeated, but he indestructible. seems indestructible. That's a better yeah. way of putting it. Sorry. Okay, and your match of the night. Match of the night easily is a uh, Rock and Shamrock. Yeah, cool. absolutely perfect. Awesome, Billy. Your MVP of the pay-per-view? Sable. No. <laughs> no, I, I Or Luna Goldust. Yeah, Luna Goldust. Luna Gold. Sounds like a Harry Potter character. Um, um, genuinely, I think my MVP is, is Shawn Michaels. Um, really? Pure, purely for, you know, knowing the context of what he was going through at that time and how injured he was, and you can see throughout the match how much effort he had actually put in and I think that's completely admirable what he did. Definitely. You know, he 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 knew he was at WrestleMania. He knew he was at the main event. He had to pull it off. He had right? to pull it off, yeah. and he did his best. And I'd say he did pull it off. Yeah. Cool. Um, best match for me, I'd say again, like Adam, uh, The Rock versus Ken Shamrock. Cool. Uh, my MVP. I'll probably go to the other side for the same match for you, Billy. Uh, I'd say Austin because Austin knew this was his moment. This was, you know. He was going to be the guy. He was going to be the face of the company. You know, he had been he had been the guy for a whole year, but he hadn't the belt. And to be told that you know you have to spare, share the spotlight with Mike Tyson, you know that is a very big. I'd be worried if I would have been him. Gone crap, you know all my all the fanfare is going for the guy outside. No one gives a shit about me. Yeah. You know the guy he's working with is is really hurt. I mean, these are literally the worst circumstances. <laughs> yeah. The torch can be passed to you, but Austin, you know, I suppose you know equal props to Michaels, but Austin really. Because he knew he had that long-term goal to, to be involved as, as the guy. He's got to be my MVP. Match of the night. Ooh, I'm probably going to say the, the, the tag team match. You know, the, uh, the dumpster Charlie, match. Yeah. Mainly because I think it sums up the Attitude Era really well. The really crazy wild characters. Really cool hardcore action, which is a huge part of the Attitude Era. And just, you know, seeing uh, Mick Foley and Terry Funk win the big one is just cool. You know, True, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that was a very good match. And there you go, that's WrestleMania 14. Uh, our next one, gentlemen, we'll be doing is Unforgiven, as Mr. Vince McMahon gets his dirty hands involved in the, in the, in the mix. We've so several new characters emerging. It'll be very interesting to see how these characters we have here change in time for the next pay per view, the kind of crazy booking that's going on. So let's see if we can actually follow the storylines. <laughs> yeah, uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you very much for listening to the Attitude Era podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can check us out on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash AE podcast. Give us a follow, let us know what you think, or you can contact us on Gmail. It's aepodcast at gmail.com. We're going to get a Facebook page up as well. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you've got any thoughts. We'll catch you next time. And for now, goodbye. All right, thanks a lot, Brian. You know, in a night full of treachery, deviousness, 
some deviousness. 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 The word I just made up. Are we deviousness? I think we are. Deviousness Alpha. Deviousness Bravo. Yeah. Alpha's yes. and Bravo. Devious. Let's go get them.